Hey, y'all. This is Lou from Brawl Stars, and welcome to the Funny Science Fiction Podcast. <laughs> the podcast where if we're feeling cute, we might narvel the Garthok later. I don't know. It's a maybe. Our show is brought to you by our charity sponsor, the Red Shirt Widows and Orphans Fund, which supports the Wish Upon a Teen Foundation that helps out sick kids when they need it most. And just imagine the comfort you will give Red Shirt Crewman number eight. He'll know that when he puts on the red shirt and is killed when the machines take over, 19 minutes after Sarah Connor went back in time, that he didn't leave his family destitute and without hope, because the Red Shirt Widows and Orphans Fund has his back and his gearbox. All right, our guest today is not just a voiceover actor, but also the lead singer of the steampunk band, The Cog is Dead. Welcome to the show, the one, the only, John Mondelli. Welcome to the hey. show, John. How's it going? Thanks for having me. Ah, we're very excited to have you on. We're um, Kathleen is, is a big fan. Her- I might be the biggest excitement. I'm trying not to completely freak out over here. So <laughs> not working. So yeah, her and her husband are, are big fans of the Cog is Dead, and uh, so she's played been some talking- music at our wedding reception. Oh wow! Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and so she's been she's been telling me about you for a while, and then she's like, "Hey, did you know?" he's a voiceover actor too. And I went, no, I did not. <laughs> and so we said, we should probably get him on the show. And then you agreed. And, and that's why, how you got here. That's the, that's the cliff notes version. But uh, so we have some questions we want to run by you today. And, uh, and then at the end, we got a little quiz game for you and you might be able to go home with uh, non-fabulous prizes, but anyway, they're prizes. Go home or remain home and they will remain home and we you. ship them with you. I just want to make it sound like a real game show. I leave know. Me leave I just... me alone, Kathleen. God. Bring you the reality back. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, John, let's talk about inspiration. Because for every career path, there's typically a story about how someone got into that line of work, that they did how they're doing what they wanted to do. So for you, uh, being a singer, being a voice actor. Uh, what were some of your musical and maybe even acting influences that made little John Mondelli say, I want to be this when I grow up? Um, I guess in a way, if I really think about it, uh, like with the voiceover and acting, uh, it, it might go back to Robin Williams. Uh, I, I've been a fan of cartoons and animation all my life, and I always... Uh, loved watching behind the scenes specials when they'd show the actors recording. Um, and I was also a big fan of Robin Williams as a kid. And I knew he did the voice of the genie in Aladdin. And so I loved just sort of seeing the behind the scenes process of having an actor come in the studio and create the voice of a character. Um, it, it, that wasn't something that I thought I'd eventually be doing someday, but I was like really captivated by the whole process and thought it was really cool. Um, so that along with uh you know down the road seeing other voice actors do it i just thought it was a really cool thing um sure. but before i got into doing voice acting i guess more as a profession uh i was going a little bit more toward the the music aspect of of uh, what i do um and as far as inspiration for that goes uh i grew up listening to a lot of classic uh rock and stuff i, I love the beatles uh queen uh, Elton Joel, Billy Joel, uh, Elton, jo- Elton John and Billy Joel, um, uh, and lots of other stuff too. But, uh, one of my biggest musical influences ever is Weird Al. Um, like Solid. I, I got really into, uh, comedy music, uh, in, you know, the nineties when I was growing up listening mm-hmm. to, uh, 
people like Ray Stevens, who did like a lot of comedy country. Um, so I loved comedy uh, either way. The same thing goes for the you know cartoons and acting as well. Um, so I think from a very young age, I always knew I wanted to do something entertainment related, whether it was acting or being a comedian or making movies or something. It was just always, always something to do with entertaining. So those were, those were all big things that sort of were formative for me and becoming the kind of uh, crazy person that I am. Fantastic. Okay. So here's a, a secondary question to that, that I thought of while you were answering that because you said weird Al. So I have to know what's your favorite Weird Al song. Oh, I don't know. There are so many. Uh, I, I'm one of the people that has every single Weird Al album. Uh, sure, <laughs> I can respect that um, because I I know somebody like like that. Anyway, um, <laughs> I, I mean, I I have my, my person. I can tell you what my favorite is. Um, it's the song that that my, it's the parody of the R. Kelly, the the stuck in the drive through. It's like sure. 13 minutes long and. I think I played that with my wife when we were on our way down to Tennessee a couple of years ago for a family vacation. <laughs> I put that on and I think by about minute number six, she was homicidal. And, <laughs> and yet here you are. And yet somehow I'm still living, but, uh, but that was very entertaining for me. She didn't think so as much, but. <laughs> uh, and actually one of my favorites is another one that's very long. It's Albuquerque, which is, uh, mm-hmm. I think it's like 11 minutes long. And <laughs> yes. it's just this. <laughs> completely ridiculous rambling story and it's similar to trapped in the drive through but it's yeah. uh, an original song uh but just completely absurd <laughs> yeah now we call him torso boy <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i know that some of our listeners and our viewers are going to question what a steampunk artist is doing on a science fiction show but to nerd out because that's what we do so steampunk is originally is based off of the original science fiction stories. So 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, The Time Machine, and so on. And then these classic literary pieces have fueled and then steampunk has grown from that. But and then we can see steampunk steampunk's influence in some of our favorite science fiction now, Firefly, Mad Max, Warehouse 13. So what are some of your favorite steampunk movies, TV series or other media and what got you into the genre in the first place? Hold on one second. So you're, what you're trying to tell me is that steampunk isn't just suspenders and big glasses on, on bowler hats? It's not just that, Tim. Okay, and it's not good. just gears glued to your guitar. Okay. There is so much more to it. Okay, I'm learning things. Go ahead, John. But, but I, I would agree. I think steampunk completely fits into science fiction because I always just describe it in sim- the simplest terms as Victorian science fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, j- just like you mentioned, Jules Verne and H.G. Wells, a lot of these authors, um, the, the, and, and most of the songs that uh, at least we wrote, especially in the earlier days, were sort of science fiction related. Like there's a song about a time machine or there's songs about inventors and um, all kinds of uh, science fiction related things that are just sort of set in a Victorian world. Um, so uh, I'm sorry, what was the uh, the question again? I'm talking about what your favorite steampunk movies, oh, right. TV, and then what got you into the genre? Um, I'm trying to think. I, you mentioned Firefly. I, I do love Firefly, even though it's not really a steampunk series, but it has some steampunk influence. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember seeing the movie Steam Boy a while back and thinking it was really cool. Uh, I think the earliest exposure, even though not really knowing what it was called, was the movie Wild Wild West, which gets a lot of flack, but uh, <laughs> I think it's still a lot of fun. I love that one. Um, 
but yeah, I guess I actually kind of discovered steampunk by accident when we were forming the band. Uh, it, it originally didn't have a specific theme. I was just talking with my dad, who was a, a drummer, mm-hmm. and uh, he and I started like jamming and just just decided to start a band. Uh, and my friend Chris, who um, was learning to play the bass, and we, we were just going to start a band for fun. Um, and I was toying around with the idea of making a custom modified guitar just because I wanted something to sort of stand out, uh, you know, that, that might get, get some, some attention. And uh, so I was looking on Google for ideas for unique custom guitars, and I came across a steampunk guitar. Um, I, I didn't know the term steampunk at the time, but it was just this really cool, like rusted mechanical guitar that had all these brass pipes and rivets and gears. And I just thought it looked really cool. So I showed that to Chris and he was like, oh yeah, that's, that's a steampunk guitar. And um, that was the first time I'd heard the term steampunk. And he, he had knew, known about it and showed me uh, an anime called, um, oh, now it's blank. Of my mind. I think it's last exile, uh, which has a lot of steampunk uh, aesthetic as well. So he kind of introduced me to the whole steampunk world uh, from there. So then I just started looking up more and more steampunk instruments to see if anyone had done other steampunk designs on their guitars Mm -hmm. and that's when i discovered a band called abney park who is another steampunk band uh at that time was one of the only steampunk bands in existence i think other than vernian process uh it was it was a very very small like brand new musical scene at the time um so based off of discovering that there were a few steampunk bands out there i thought this might be a really cool direction to to take our band um and ironically, we had already had the name The Cog is Dead selected before discovering Steampunk. It was a complete coincidence. Uh, I, I've, I don't know if it, I've told the story before, but I'll mention it on here. Um, the way we came about th- with the name uh, was we were trying to just come up with a name for the band. And I randomly uh, picked up this book. It was a book of plays by Tom Stoppard. And I was just hanging out with my friends and goofing around. And I opened it up to a random page, pointed at it, and then just looked at and you know read the first thing I, I pointed at, which was a phrase on the page that said, the cog is dead. So I just read that out loud. And um, a friend of mine, Will, who was in the room said, hey, that should be the name of your band. And I'm like, that sounds really stupid. I don't know. <laughs> That's a terrible name. But the more I thought about it, I'm like, well, there's, there's no one else with that name. It's unique. So we just settled on the name, the cog is dead before discovering steampunk it was a crazy perfect uh coincidence uh because now it's perfectly yeah like i i I can't believe it just happened by chance (laughs) fantastic and then building off of that into the song the death of the cog that's Mm -hmm. fantastic thank you thank you and that was one of the first songs written um really early on And, and part of that was because we uh just we were getting together and just jamming and and playing music and we had the name the cog is dead we thought well there should be some sort of explanation for what that means uh so the coming out with a song that was sort of an origin story explaining how digital clocks were invented leading to the death of the cog might might help people understand what the cog is dead means it means basically that digital technology has killed off analog technology (laughs) that's cool i think my i think my first exposure to anything steampunk was I saw a steampunk version of R2-D2 and C-3PO. And I just thought those were really cool. Um, I don't remember investigating what steampunk was much more than that. I just was like, oh, that's really cool. 
Um, and then I, I kept seeing that like uh, steampunk versions of different superheroes and, and uh, different, you know, uh, space travel things. I was like, oh, and that's when I started looking into what, what steampunk was. And it's funny, bit. it's like my first experience with steampunk was when I was a teenager. And like the aesthetic is what drew me to it with the, the Victorian wear, the corsets, the gears, the top hats. I mean, it's just aesthetically, it's so cool. And then mm-hmm. when I met my husband, the first like mixed CD he made for me was an Abney Park CD. Like <laughs> he burned a bunch of Abney Park songs on a CD for me with the, hey, you said you like steampunk, here, try this. <laughs> so the first song I listened to was Steampunk Revolution. And it was the, wait a minute, this is fantastic. But then as we were dating, before we actually got to the point of saying I love you, he sent me, um, let me be your man. <laughs> Like he sent me a link to it with the, Hey, listen to this. And I'm like, Oh, you're so cute. This is great. <laughs> like the, the steampunk has grown with our relationship. Our relationship has grown with steampunk. It's cool. And I don't know. I'm just nerding That's out really about awesome. steampunk music. I have more and more respect for John. He wooed you with music. He hey. did. He did. I and then the his, boy. the, um, <laughs> the mother son dance at our wedding was to my metal boy. Like, Oh Yeah. That's what they danced to. It was my metal boy. It was so cute. And, and just for clarification, Kathleen's husband is also named John. I probably should have mentioned that earlier, but <laughs> but I like you too, John. I mean, I'm I'm impressed by you as well. So uh, just for clarification's oh. sake, well, that's awesome. I'm I'm glad that "Let Me Be Your Man" sort of did its job because I, I was I was single when I wrote the song, but I was just kind of writing that with the idea of like, you know, this is the kind of husband that I want to be, and so I'm glad that it kind of. Uh, it that, worked. That, that message came across. <laughs> it worked. It found its home. There you go. So, John, you do also have a voice acting career. So what pets do you have or ever had? And do you put voices to these pets? <laughs> um, yeah, we have a fair amount of pets, actually. We have a dog, a cat, two cockatiels. I can't remember if it's six or eight parakeets and a fish. Um, wow. But <laughs> I think the only ones we usually give voices to are uh, our dog, but usually it's, I think, just the usual goofy uh, <laughs> hyper dog voice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, hi. <laughs> <laughs> right, kind of like that. I can't actually think because usually it's it's kind of random. <laughs> It depends on his mood and his excitement. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny. It's like you say that it's that, that, that dog voice. And I hear it in my head because that's the same voice everybody gives. Everybody. <laughs> Who's your good puppy? That, that, kind of, <laughs> that kind of slow, kind of dumb because you're kind of slow, but I love you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my dog have... who got her head stuck in the fence today. Yeah, it happens. <laughs> she was trying to attack a snake and got her head stuck in the fence. There's that. She's cute, but she's not smart. Yeah, we have the same problem with uh, we have a six month old pit bull right now, and she's seventeen shades of adorable and cuddly and loving and and all these great things. But the brain train passed her a long time ago. <laughs> also, Just... speaking of animals, I'm I'm currently uh, dealing with uh, possums in the basement. Which oh, yeah. I just found out about last night. <laughs> I heard this noise. I'm like, it sounds like there's something in the house. And I went downstairs, and, or actually, it's an outside door. So I went outside, opened the door, turned on the lights, and 
there was a possum that just jumped up onto a, a shelf and then I looked and saw another one. So I'm like, okay, and closed the door. <laughs> Walk away. <laughs> oh, would so. you look at the time? I'll deal with that later. <laughs> oh, yikes. So we have plenty of animals in our house right now. It's not all of them are the ones you want there. <laughs> right. Not all of them have been invited. Yeah, exactly. Some of them are have overstayed their welcome. <laughs> All right, so, John, I took a few moments and I watched your YouTube uh, voiceover demo reel. And I have to say, I was impressed with some of the characters that were on there uh, and some of the roles that you've been able to portray, uh, ones that, that I, I didn't know that you were doing. Like, uh, these were some for, like, mobile video games or, or, or other video games, like uh, Spider-Man. Uh, there's some Star-Lord, or as others may know him as Peter Quill from Guardians of the Galaxy. And of course, we can't forget the uh, forget the grunting Viking dude from Clash of Clans, Clash Royale. Um, and uh, so, tell me, out of all of the many jobs that you've done, which has been your favorite voice to portray, and why? And you can't pick the grunting dude from Clash of Clans, <laughs> <laughs> although that is funny because I I I have to say when I got to that point of the demo reel, and I hear, ah, ooh, ah, I was like. <laughs> That had been fun to do. <laughs> that was the whole job, too. Just like about a 20-minute recording session of just screams and grunts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's it's hard to say what my absolute favorite was. There have been a lot of cool ones. Um, I really loved getting to do the voice of Chuck E. Cheese. Um, and that was, that was a very small uh, thing. It wasn't like, you know, a, a, an ongoing thing, but they opened a Chuck E. Cheese location in Dubai and um, hired me to do a couple of commercials and they're like on hold messaging system when you, when you call. Right. Um, and so that was really fun. Uh, and it was the first time I think getting to do an iconic franchise character. Mm-hmm. Um, so just, just, and, and seeing the animation, because when I finally saw it uh, finished, I was really surprised that they actually went out all out with uh you know, the same quality animation you see on like the national commercials here. Um, so it was just really fun to do a character and a character I've known, uh, you know, pretty much all my life. Sure. Um, but yeah, even uh, some of those, and most of them have been like mobile apps, like you mentioned doing um, Spider-Man or um, some of the other ones like My Little Pony or Transformers. Of course, those aren't like characters quite as big as uh, maybe Spider-Man is, but um it's it's been cool just the the various and uh unexpected characters i've got to do uh over the years um it's always it's always random you never know what jobs are going to come along and you never know which one you're going to get cast in um but it's a it's been a cool journey i believe that (laughs) all right cool so during the wonderful wonderful year plus long pandemic You've done a couple of songwriting sessions on live stream, which mm. I know my husband and I were partaking in one of them, which was the Airship Pirate Cats and Underwater Ducks, <laughs> which also may be one of my favorite songs. Um, and I believe that there was tuba and bass arrangement in those, which made me think of Polka, mm. which makes me think of Weird Al, who we've already mm. mentioned, because Weird Al is just oh, yeah. amazing. So obviously you said he was one of your influences. So is, is there something specific about him that really influenced your music and is there anybody else musically influential oh that's a hard word (laughs) (laughs) sure um i think for me as a kid immediately uh the thing that 
drew me to Weird Al was just a uh, song parody in general. It was my first time really hearing somebody that did um, comedic takes and changing the lyrics of existing popular songs. Um, but when I really became uh, a big fan and bought his albums and started listening to every song, uh, I was really impressed by his musical diversity and ability to play and write so many different styles. Because, I mean, obviously he does parodies of whatever genre uh, of, of song is currently popular, but, um, you know, half of the album is also original songs. And the uh, the albums are filled with original songs that are very diverse. Every song is a different genre and you know, different style. Uh, and that, really kind of shaped my idea of what an album should be uh like not just every song sounding the same you know there there are some bands that have one genre and one sound and and do it very well um but i've always loved variety Mm -hmm. and so uh that's also why i think i gravitated toward other artists uh like i mentioned earlier um the beatles had albums that were very diverse so did queen um and billy joel and elton john uh i always mention them because they were very eclectic songwriters and and musicians and had so much diversity and range um and so i've always sort of tried to uh not mimic those artists but uh, i mean with, with certain exceptions but uh as far as in general um i've always wanted to make albums that uh are kind of like a musical roller coaster ride you you have one style then some you're somewhere else and there's just uh just just a nice diverse variety of stuff so that the album from start to finish is just this kind of fun ride that you never get bored of that makes a lot of sense and i do see that in the kaga's dead albums definitely that not no two songs sound sound the same right and that makes it easier to listen to as an album and especially with like um steam-powered stories like mm-hmm. you get that you get the whole story mm. you did a good job right, right. <laughs> thank you <laughs> but yeah I, i've always liked the idea of listening to an album from start to finish um you know some some people i know just like to get singles or listen to individual songs here and there but i've always felt like if you're going to buy an album it should be the same as getting a movie it's it's something that you should be able to put it on and listen to the entire thing especially if you're gonna if you're gonna buy the whole album you should be able to enjoy, enjoy the whole the thing whole all the way yeah. through yeah <laughs> i can't tell you how many uh records cassettes cds i've gotten rid of over the years because i couldn't listen to it all the way through <laughs> i didn't there was only the one song that that was any good off of it and so mm-hmm. i love it when i can sit down with a with a record and you know especially because i am a vinyl collector when i can sit down with a record and i put it on the record player and i can listen to the whole thing mm-hmm. and i you know and i don't have to stop it and go okay i'm gonna skip that track and i'm gonna go up to the next one so that i understand what you're saying there i, I love that premise so oftentimes when for us to pass time sometimes we'll get creative with our workplace and we like to make fun silly w- rules um so question, what are some of the unwritten rules of your sound booth? Hmm. What do you mean by, by rules of the sound booth? So for like, for instance, um, we have, uh, we color code everything that we're going to talk to somebody about. So, Cause we try not, that's our unwritten rule. We try not to talk over top of each other. Um, we have, uh, Tim always forgets to record. So Nick has to re- <laughs> remind him, uh, that's also a unwritten rule. And as you saw earlier, 
um, just little things that we do and, and how we set set it up for uh, hmm. like each each one of our our interviews, how we how we write the interview, how we structure the interview. Just right. we have little things that we do to try and, and try and make it the same way. Kathleen's um, background is always very strange. <laughs> um, trying to think, Cause especially because for the most part, um, it's a very isolated process. Um, you know, I, I write and produce the music. Um, you know, if we have record days with, uh, other band members, uh, they come in and record, but for the most part, it's me. And especially recently, um, with the pandemic and everyone else being so busy, I've been writing and recording everything myself. So I have been just kind of isolated. So I haven't had to have necessarily unwritten rules, uh, for other band members recently. Um, like no eating at the drum set. <laughs> Drums are not to be used as tables. <laughs> uh, Renata can eat and drum at the same time. She eats a lot. She's a very talented woman. That's impressive. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, no nacho supreme at the at the mixing board. You know that kind of thing. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of messy and I try to keep things clean. That's that's one thing that I keep trying to make myself do is keep my workspace clean because uh, I. I feel like mentally I'm more efficient when I have a clean workspace, but I'm also a very cluttered person. So I'll clean this, the room. And then, you know, within a few days I've set something down here that, cause I never put stuff back. Uh, if I'm looking for like a microphone, I'll get a bin out, take it out and then just set the box down on the floor. And <laughs> so uh, that's something that I'm trying to drill into my head is to always put things back where they belong and keep my space clean because otherwise the whole studio uh, just becomes a cluttered mess. Sounds but like since I'm the, the only one working in here, uh, then, uh, you know, it doesn't, I have nobody to to tell me to <laughs> clean up or get on my case. So, you know, I just come in here and deal with it until finally I'm like, okay, I have to clean this up because I can't take it anymore. I can get that. Yeah. I have you a, don't know uh, where your cables are because you didn't put them away. And mm-hmm. I have a very strong, uh, I'm in my office on my desk. It's, I have a place for everything and everything's in its place. And I go a little nutso when I don't, when somebody moves something like, Hey, that was my thing. I had my thing in my place. And why did you move it from? Anyway, it's a thing. My wife doesn't like that one either. My Uh, husband (laughs) had his own space. He had his own office and then we had a baby and he didn't, he doesn't have an office space anymore. We, his office space is in our dining room now. Like he has a desk instead of our dining room table, but it's that like, he'll put something down and then he won't be able to find it. And it's like two and a half year old. There's a, two and a half year old you're never going to find that again you have a you have a a, a miniature wandering thief running through the house that's what you have <laughs> there's a hobbit there is a thief baggins uh you have a nori so the problem is we, we don't have a two and a half year old wandering around the house i just i'll, I'll set something down on the floor next to me and then set something else on top of it like I, a few months ago i couldn't find a cable i searched all over and then just went and bought another one because I couldn't find it. And then a few days later, I picked up a box. I'm like, oh, there it is. Mm-hmm. So. Okay, so John Wass, when you're listening, it's not just you, but that doesn't make it okay. <laughs> I was go- I was going to say, did you ask the possums downstairs? <laughs> That's maybe they're making their own little possum. Band. They have their own organizational structure. You might have to ask them how they categorize things. So the the number of times though that things get put on top of something and then you can never find it again because yep. there's something on top of it. Yep. It happens. All right. So we have a couple questions for you here about some of your parody things that you've done, some of your, your video shorts. 
but I want to first comment about how it's one of the perhaps one of the worst keep uh, worst kept secrets uh, right next to the I hate Elvis Presley. Um, By the way, if you're listening and you're wondering why, uh, he's a song stealing thief and that's a hill I'm ready to die on. Anyway, but I'm also. You don't want to be my teddy bear? Nope. Nope. It's not even up for discussion. Uh, Elvis sucks. Uh, But I'm also not a huge Trekkie fan. Uh, And most people acknowledge that by now. But one of the worst kept secrets is, is I actually hate musicals. I hate that people feel obligated to sing what could have easily just been spoken. No. Um, but there are exceptions to every rule, except the Elvis rule. He sucks. That one's ironclad. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's only ever, and my wife has taken me to many uh, different musicals. The only one that I've ever really enjoyed was the Phantom of the Opera. I was blown away by the sets, the scenery, everything else. Not so much the singing, because again, you could have just, talked all those lines you didn't need to sing them or you could sing them and it's more fun or or <laughs> and hear me out you could just talk anyway uh however i'm willing I to choreograph a, dance number yeah i don't know um i'm willing to take a swing at another one sand people the musical the off 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 broadway production so how did this all come together and how long till it's only off off Broadway? Well, it may be a while with the pandemic. But <laughs> <laughs> it um that was the creation of my friends uh, at And You Films, a uh, YouTube channel that produces a bunch of comedy uh, parody videos. Um, and they they came up with it and wrote the lyrics, and then came to me to um produce the music uh we've, we've done that on a few of the different parodies and stuff they they're a, a pretty funny team i've known them for a long time um going back, all the way back to, to high school i was in class with uh brendan who's the i guess you know co-founder of the company um and i i worked with them for many years on several of these parodies so that one uh i don't know whose idea if it was brendan or will but they're the two kind of head uh writers and producers over there and they came to me with the uh the the script and the lyrics and told me what they wanted to do um and uh of course anything music related i'm totally on board for you know anytime they come to me with a job uh most recently they've done a series of um it's a series called scene riff that does various reimaginings of different scenes like stupid alternate takes of different scenes from classic movies from the 80s and 90s um and so i got to do a lot of music uh like sound alikes for certain movie themes since for copyright reasons they can't use the real music so they had me create versions that sounded very similar but were different enough for copyright purposes (laughs) understood yeah um but yeah that that one was a, a a lot of fun just uh (laughs) <laughs> taking various i guess pop songs and re-recording yeah. them um with uh i guess you know boba fett as a uh lounge singer and you then, were you were boba in that weren't you yeah i did i did both uh i, I wasn't on camera but i recorded the voice of boba fett and a couple of uh, or, or i guess a, a fair amount of the the sand people a lot of a lot of grunting and uh just <laughs> kind of sounds <laughs> And trying to do that to 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 music. 
<laughs> that would have been like the perfect moment for your chair to break, Tim. Just to like fall over. <laughs> I was I was fully not expecting that. All right. Good job. Well done. <laughs> so even more with the parody videos and with Andy U films, because you'd mentioned in a Facebook post about mm. the, the scene riffs. I am a huge fan of the Diabetes. Thank you. Like I love the Diabetes videos <laughs> because they're hilarious. But you talk about the the work with it as it being a painstakingly match of the Hollywood style with no budget. Mm-hmm. So with that, is there anything of of those videos that you are especially proud that you pulled off, even with that zero budget? Um, I think a lot of things, uh, ma- mainly for that reason. Um, and you films, as I mentioned, started back in high school, so it was a grassroots thing from the, from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the name uh, just comes from back in high school. Um, Brendan used to do these old like nineteen fifties style um educational film parodies so it would be like you know uh your school and you and so every every video was you know this and you and so that became the name of the company um so, so yeah i mean it literally started out as a company just with uh you know some newly graduated kids just starting out with no idea what we were doing um and just put a lot of passion and a lot of time uh, going into learning certain techniques and, and trying to figure out how to become filmmakers. Um, and yeah, I definitely think uh, on a lot of those, especially the parodies where we really worked hard to mimic the visual style of certain films. Um, you know, we've done like um, the Hobbit or uh, the show, the walking dead, where mm-hmm. we would try to replicate the look of the shots as closely as possible and match the lighting and the, cinematography uh and all yeah all done with no budget so just um you know we didn't have high-end equipment it was just kind of trying to figure out the techniques to replicate it um (laughs) with you know without spending any money um and i'm also just really happy overall with um the way that youtube channel has has gone it's it's i think it's gotten over a hundred thousand subscribers now finally and and beginning to get an audience um after you know years of of work um and uh, overall i'm also just just proud of uh the 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 parodies themselves i think a lot of them are are funny um and and were so much fun to be a part of um and i i got to do so many things because it was such a small team so we're all wearing multiple hats you know i was sometimes cinematographer and and, or editor or sound mixer or or music producer or actor you know and and all of us you know kind of did all all things (laughs) while working on it because it was basically just three people uh as the production team yeah so just i don't know tim did, you didn't watch any of the diabetes videos i had not had a chance to watch those yet i was on i'll be honest with you uh for hating musicals i may have watched the sand people one about six or seven times last night uh because i found myself laughing harder every single time i watched it so just so. out of pure curiosity because i want to see if we can make tim fall out of his chair can you do a little bit of the diabetes for us um sure i'm trying to think of <laughs> i don't know if i i can play the songs on my guitar because it's been so long since i did this <laughs> yeah the diabetes if you don't know already what it is it's um it's a commercial for a greatest hits album of the diabetes which is a band of four wilford brimley's doing diabetes themed beatles songs 
So there were things like, <laughs> yesterday, diabetes seemed so far away. Now my doctor says it's here to stay. <laughs> things, things like that. <laughs> there, were, there were a bunch okay. of Okay. Four Wilford Brimleys. All right. I a, whole bunch of, a whole bunch of those songs. All <laughs> type two. That's what I have. Take injections for your blood sugar. <laughs> See, I, and I think that that one hit me so much when when I first saw it because being a 90s kid and like the Wilford Brimley diabetes commercials were huge. Oh, yeah. Diabetes. Absolutely. Got diabetes. And so then to see four Wilford Brimley singing Beatles songs. Oh, yeah, that's good stuff. It gets me every time. Every time. Like, there have been times that I've been in a bad mood. My husband's just, like, starts the Diabetes commercial to get me to laugh. It works. I also got a good Um, laugh out of, uh, and I shared it around on a couple different pages. Uh, You did a a Luke Combs parody of... uh, Beer uh, makes me fart. Yeah, beer makes me fart. (laughs) Ice cold. Yeah, that was good stuff. The only only problem I have with that one is the, the beard... It's so terrible. <laughs> well, oh, Luke, that was, Luke that Combs was isn't exactly known for having a, no, you know, a, he's a not. very put together beard. It's it's <laughs> that is very the much... longest I have ever let my facial hair grow out, and it's mainly because of the pandemic. Because I'm home, I have to I don't have to go anywhere. Right. Uh, so I just kind of tried to let it grow out for that video, and so yeah, it was it was getting pretty unbearable after a while, just constantly dealing with all this scruff on my neck. <laughs> So just so, as the, the woman's point of view question, what did your wife think of that? <laughs> she she does not like facial hair. Um, yeah, she, for the most part, she was completely against it. Uh, she she kind of liked it after like a little while. She started starting to come in a little thick, though. She's like, this is kind of working for me. <laughs> but I think by the time we got to the, the point it was at with the video, she was like, yeah, she said I was starting to look like a hobo. And I completely and done. <laughs> But I can understand that there is that 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 stage of like three or four day scruff where it's starting to look like a beard and it's that you know this might be okay, and then it gets a little longer and you're like or not. Mm, never mind. <laughs> yep. Plus, I mean, it, for me, it comes in so patchy. I can't really grow like a a full thick beard, so it just looks really really rough. I think on me, <laughs> it's very scraggly. It worked for the video. Thank you. <laughs> so talking parodies. Uh, is usually a mixture between two things. And our Facebook page is filled with all sorts of memes and stuff that have um, is pretty much memes. parody of all sorts of things in different genres. Uh, so you do, so you have steampunk and you have voiceovers under your belt and you just have like a very broad range. So what are some other like sci-fi interests, interest that you have? Huh. It's funny. I, I guess I I can't say like I'm a hardcore sci-fi fan. Um I did really enjoy watching uh Star Trek the Next Generation uh growing up. Um I haven't I haven't seen it in years, so I'm like no uh expert when it comes to trivia or anything like that. <laughs> um uh but I always have had a love for that. Um and uh, actually quantum leap was one of my favorite shows when mm. i was a kid uh, that was a fun show <laughs> uh yeah i well one funny thing is uh i'm 
I enjoy Star Wars. I'm not like a hardcore Star Wars fan. Um, and yet in a, a we we worked on a movie, uh, me and the guys from NU Films. That was one of the one of the things we did really early on, right out of high school. We wanted to make a full-length feature film. Um, so we made this like large scale sci-fi comedy uh, about a movie studio in the future but they had me play a character named rufus lucas who was like a great descendant of george lucas because this was a thousand years in the future <laughs> and so i played a homeless man who only speaks using quotes from star wars so every single line of dialogue i have in the film is a star <laughs> wars quote even though i'm really not all that familiar with uh the movies that that well <laughs> that's funny i like the concept of that but it was that was a major project. That was something that took about 10 years to finish. Um, in fact, the cog is dead was started as a side project to that when we, you know, like right out of high school, we started working on the movie and worked on it, uh, filming for like three years. And that was kind of my whole life was working on this movie. Um, but then I also wanted to start a band. So I was like, Oh, I'll just do that on the side. And then eventually that sort of became now my like main, uh, career that I'm doing, you know, all these years later. <laughs> Excellent. All right, John. So we've gotten to a point of the show where we want to do a little bit of the trivia here with you. Okay. So th these quiz questions are based upon some of the uh, voice acting roles that you've had uh, over the years, things that were in your demo reel. So um, there'll be five questions. Each of the questions are multiple choice. If you get three of the questions correct, we would like to send you one of these high speed red and white I gave to the Red Shirt Widows and Orphans Fund coffee mugs. Nice. If, you, if you get four of the questions right, we're going to send you that coffee mug along with, I can't remember how to do this, this book right there, Custodians <laughs> of the Cosmos. We'll jump around that microphone yet. Only one microphone hit this time. Only one. It's getting, I'm getting better. <laughs> um, but yeah, so this is Custodians of the Cosmos. This is written by Drayton Allen. And it's all about uh, a young man who decides he wants to grow up and join Starfleet, but he fails the entrance test and tries to rejoin as a custodian to boldly clean up after those who boldly just went. So, uh, however, that's, that's the winning side of things. If you should lose our fun little five question game, that means you get less than three questions correct. We're going to take a picture of you, make a meme out of you and put it in your group. We call it our fun sequence. All right. do, you, do you agree to these terms, sir? I do. I hope I know my own uh, resume well enough. And they are, it's, they're based <laughs> off of your resume, but it's like the universe is attached to them. It might be one of our harder quizzes. Hmm. Oh my. I'm proud right. of us for this. <laughs> I was told I threw out too many softballs, so this is not a softball. All right. Well, I will give it my best. All right. All right. Question I'm getting my camera ready. One. <laughs> Which famous sci-fi duo appears in the background of several episodes of My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic? A, Captain Picard and Lieutenant Data. B, Doctor Who and Rose Tyler. Or C, Obi-Wan Kenobi and Anakin Skywalker. Hmm. I'm not sure. I'm not... I haven't seen enough of My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic. I just want to say B. You are correct. Ha, just He's Dr. Right. Hooves. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> All right, there's one. Yes. Pinkie Pie is proud of you. Look at her face. 
Why did J. Jonah Jameson prefer Lance Bannon's Spider-Man photos over Peter Parker's? A, they were cheaper. B, Bannon was his nephew. Or C, they made Spider-Man look bad. Hmm. I want to say C. That that makes sense to me. Final answer? Yes, final answer. Okay, yes. You are correct. <laughs> yes. <laughs> two for two. All right. All right. Question three. What childhood crush is Peter Quill's ship named after? A, Kim Bassinger. B, Alyssa Milano. Or C, Heather Locklear. Hmm. Shoot. Uh, I don't know for sure either. I'm also going to guess C on this one. You guessed wrong this time. It <laughs> is ship. Alyssa Milano. Ah. His ship yeah. is the Milano. The Milano. He actually talks about uh, who's the boss several times in, in the movie. I should so. watch that again. <laughs> Which, All right, two out of three. Which Spider-Man villain did not work for Oscorp? Electro, Green Goblin, or Mysterio? Hmm. Would it be Mysterio? You would be correct. Yes. And you'll be the winner of a I gave to the red shirt, widows and orphans fun coffee mug. All right. All right. And question five. You've made it out of the meme zone. <laughs> According to Chris Pratt, Star-Lord is a mix of which two iconic characters? A, Han Solo and Marty McFly. B, Captain Kirk and Ferris Bueller. Or C, James Bond and Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> that last... Ugh. I don't know if I've heard it or him mention it or not. But... I think Han Solo and Marty McFly makes sense. So I'll go with that. You are correct. Yes. All right. I yes. am now needing to see a James Bond Pee Wee Herman combo, though. <laughs> and that means you get the book as well. Awesome. So we'll make right. sure that uh, Drayton puts some calligraphy in the front of that before we send it off to you. I think but, that needs uh, to be in one of your next parody videos. James Bond Pee Wee Herman. That, that needs to be a thing. I would love to see that. It sounds painful. Oh, it will be. And I will, I, my childhood <laughs> uh, will be shot in the face as soon as I start with it, but I will still want to see it. Um, it sounds almost as bad as Thor Shagnarok, which is another parody we worked I, on. Yes, I saw that as well. <laughs> yeah, Austin Powers. Austin <laughs> Powers as Thor. Yeah. Good times. All right. So four out of five, not bad. And we actually tried to make that a little more difficult than our, our some of our that, other that ones. That was tough. Our guests are too smart for us. <laughs> have All to right. dig deeper. Well, <laughs> well, John, thank you so much for being on the show for, with us today. Where can people go to find out more about your works and what you're working on next? Well, there are various uh, social media outlets. As far as The Cog is Dead goes, there's uh, YouTube, youtube.com slash The Cog is Dead. Pretty much everything slash the cog is dead. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, although I don't tweet all that much. Um, so, yeah, I guess Facebook and Instagram are usually the best places to find updates. And then 
YouTube is where you get all the new uh, songs and stuff when they come out. Uh, and then as far as voiceover goes, um, I'm on Instagram uh, at John Mundelli Voice and Twitter, I think John Mundelli VO. Um, and I, I've actually yeah, I've been posting more stuff on YouTube as well, which I can't remember if it's John Mundelli or something like that. But uh, you can always just search John Mundelli on YouTube and find me. Um, so I've been I've been posting videos more recently about um, the the different characters I voiced and sharing my experiences with working on those projects. Um, but yeah, I think that's about it. Other than, of course, the websites, thecogisdead.com and johnmundelli.com. Awesome. We will make sure that those links are all in our description so that people can find more about you and more about your work. Sorry to give you so many links. No, that's What's okay. Fine? It keeps our fingers busy. Now, I want to remind everybody so, so that uh, we're going to try that again. All right. So we want to remind everyone that subscribing is the single most important thing you can do to ensure that we get more amazing guests like John Mondelli here today and funny moments for you to be able to listen to. So please subscribe. It helps more than we can ever really tell you uh, and more than we can ever really say. So, and we want to make sure that you also go check out not only uh, John's work with The Cog is Dead, John's solo music work that he's been putting out on his own during this wonderful pandemic time, but also check out his voiceover work as well at all the the uh, pre-mentioned sites there. And then also, if you're not happy with the content of today's videos, All you have to do is submit in triplicate, of course, to our complaint department, which is headed up by Malcolm Reynolds. And if he finds the complaint to be valid, he will place the offending party into a locked room where they will have to await the start of Firefly season two. What, too soon? Too soon! And then, of course, if they do try to escape, he promises that by the power of his pretty floral bonnet, he will end them. Thanks again, John. Absolutely. Thank you. This has been a lot of fun. Oh, good. We enjoyed it. Thank you. All right. Goodbye, everyone. And thanks for watching. Bye, everybody.